You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to episode number 119 of Brewers on Tap. Boy, it is a good time to be a Brewers fan. I hope that you're enjoying this season so far. It is still early. It is still technically May, but it's okay to get excited. It's okay to get lost with this team a little bit. 35 and 21, first place in the NL Central. Three-and-a-half game lead over the Cubs. Four-game lead over the Cardinals. Six-game lead over the Pirates. And, of course, the Reds have pretty much played themselves out of contention in the NL Central, at least at this point. So uh, this is exciting, and, and, and and you should get excited with it. If you're holding your breath and waiting a little bit to see what comes of the summer, it's okay to get lost with this team. Because if you haven't yet, you're missing out on a really fun baseball team that is very enjoyable to watch play this game. Brewers are doing a lot of different ways right now. I think the headlining act for this team clearly is the bullpen. Josh Hader, Jeremy Jeffress, Corey Knable, Dan Jennings, Matt Albers. You can keep going down that list. The thing that the Brewers have going for them from a bullpen standpoint, yes, they have those front-end guys, those top-shelf guys, those relief aces, if you will. And that makes them so difficult to come back on. If the Brewers have a lead after six innings, it's going to be a tough day at the office, and most teams understand that. But the other part of this is the ability to keep fresh arms up at the major league level. And so instead of a seven-man bullpen or an eight-man bullpen, really what the Brewers have is about a 12-man bullpen with guys like Jacob Barnes back up now. With guys like Taylor Williams involved, Jorge Lopez involved, Adrian Hauser's been involved, there are enough names and enough arms that the Brewers have that they can keep fresh arms up at the major league level as well, and that's a very big bonus. But the other thing about this team, they're starting to hit. As the weather has warmed up, this lineup has caught fire, and they are starting to hit the baseball at a very good clip. They're starting to score a lot of runs, and those two things combined with good enough starting pitching has been what has driven this team to the first place spot right now towards the end of May. So it's, this has been fun, and I hope that you're enjoying it as much as I've been enjoying it. This past week's been a really good week. We last talked to you last Wednesday. Brewers finished off a sweep against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Then the Mets came to town. Mets got the first game of the series. Brewers take the next three from the Mets. And so far, they have split the first two games of the series with the St. Louis Cardinals. So just a couple of losses all week. Crew continuing to run that record up there. Continuing to push the envelope in the NL Central. Best record in the National League right now. 
Brewers are one of the best teams in baseball. Here's how the last week has sounded. Syndergaard winds. Here it is. And Shaw sends one in the air to center and deep. Get up. Get up. Get out of here and gone for Travis Shaw. And the Brewers have the lead on a booming home run by Shaw. Conforto gave that one a big effort. Climbing the wall out there in deepest left center, but it was out of range. And the Brewers have the lead. Cabrera waits the pitch. Strike three looking, and the inning is over. Hayter strikes out the side. Into the stretch. Here's Ramos. Low ball four. That's the way to walk it off. Travis Shaw never had to swing the bat. Ramos did the work for him and the Brewers in 10 innings with a 4-3 victory over the Mets. Mets took the series in New York the pitch runner goes swinging a drive down the left field line a fair ball all the way to the corner. This game is going to be tied. Hernan Perez with a scorching double just inside the third base line. Wow. Just fair got all the way into the corner. 3-1 pitch. Hit in the air. Center field deep. Conforto back. Watching. Gone. Jesus Aguilar home run number eight. It's 5-4 New York after that blast by Zeus. to Yelich. Swung on line. Drive base hit down the right field line. That's going to go all the way to the wall. Kane is at third. He's going to be waved around. Here's the relay, and it's cut off and held as Yelich into third with an RBI triple. The Brewers have their first lead of the game. It's 6 5. a soft fly in the left center. Get down, baby. It is going to get to the wall. One runs in. Lorenzo Kane's going to score on a double by Yelich. He hit it softly into that gap in left center and it rolled and uh, the races Here's were Eric on. Has bounced out and lined the short. And the pitch. Swing and a drive to left and deep. Get up, Eric. Get up. Get out of here and gone for Eric Ratz. No doubt about that, baby. About knee high, right out over the middle, and he got on top of that baby and hit it out of here. Whoa. Eric Kretz. That's why he's Flexing here. Flexing deals. Santana, rocket down the left field line. The hits keep on coming for the Brewers as Perez scores. Saladino scores. Santana into second with an RBI double at 16-6. Payoff pitch to Lorenzo Kane from Flexen. Line drive, base hit left field. Santana will be waved around third. Here's the throw from Nimmo, and he's safe at home. Lorenzo Kane with an RBI single, and there it is. Kane goes to second on the throw that got away from Mezzarocco. 2 and 2 on Aguilar. Nito sets up on the inside corner. Here's the pitch. Hit in the air, left field. Backing up is Bautista at the track. We're tied. Jesus Aguilar does it again. 
run number nine for the big first baseman. And it's a 4-4 game. Aguilar, a big lead. The 0-1. Line down the right field line. That is a fair ball. Aguilar scores. They're going to send around Shaw. Here's the throw. It's late. Santana into third. The Brewers have taken a 7-6 lead on a little flare triple for Domingo Santana. 2-2 pitch coming. Here it is. Hey, struck him out swinging. And this one is over. Corey Knable reaching back for that big fastball, and he threw it by Conforto. And the Brewers take the series. Good hitters count Weaver into the windup. Here it is. Line drive right field. Backing up is Bader at the track. It is gone. Christian Yelich on a 2-0 pitch. Drills his sixth home run of the season. It's 2-0 Brewers. Weaver delivers. Ground ball right side. Under the glove of Martinez. Braun is in. VR's coming in. Saladino's going to be waved around. Here's the play at the plate. And Saladino is out at home. Brent Suter delivers to drive in two more runs. It's 4-0 Milwaukee. A lot of happy news for both Jeff and Bob to be conveying to you over the course of the last week. It's been that way for this team this year. Here's what we have on the podcast for you today. I think you're going to like it. We're going to talk more about this team. We're going to jump into the numbers with Sabermetrics 101, and that should be great. There are a lot of positive numbers Sabermetrics-wise to break down when you have a team that's 35 and 21. But we're also going to talk to Todd Johnson, Brewers Director of Amateur Scouting, MLB Draft coming up June 4th through the 6th. Jeff Jenkins is going to be the Brewers representative in New York City at the draft. Brewers picked 21st, a little bit further back this year than they've been the last couple of years because of that 86 and 76 record last year. This is a little different scenario. We're going to talk to Todd Johnson about that. Three picks in the top 73 for the Brewers in the upcoming draft. So that's June 4th through the 6th. We're going to talk to Todd Johnson about the preparation for the amateur draft. We'll check in on the farm, of course, and we'll take a look at some of the good things that are happening down the farm. It's been a good month of May as well for the Brewers entirely as an organization. Uh, every team in the organization is having some success, and a lot of the big prospects, the guys like Corey Ray, they're having good Mays. Keston Hira, having a big May. That's a positive thing as well. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we check in on the farm today as well. And then, as well, we're going to let you know what's coming up. Brewers finishing up a big homestand here today. And then they'll go on the road for a, for another three-city road trip. Three in Chicago, two in Cleveland, three in Philadelphia. So an eight-game road trip for the Brewers. Then back for another pretty good homestand uh, and, and just a pretty good stretch. You have a three-game series in Pittsburgh in mid-June. But other than that, this team's going to be home for quite a while once they get back from this next road trip. So we'll let you know what's on tap as well. A couple of quick notes injury-wise to catch up on. Tyler Saladino, of course, suffered the injury on Tuesday night against the Cardinals. Left ankle sprain. X-rays were negative, but it is looking like he's probably going to end up on the disabled list, which is a tough break for the crew. Saladino had been playing very well. So we'll wait and see what that move is for the Brewers 
to replace Tyler Saladino on the 25-man roster. So, hey, injuries come and go. Over 162 games, you're going to deal with those types of things. It's a little bit frustrating, of course, but it also comes with the territory. You have Eric Thames still on the DL, 60-day DL for Eric Thames with that thumb injury. He's getting closer to getting himself back to baseball activities. Could be a couple of weeks before he's ready to really ramp up uh, his rehabilitation in terms of starting to swing the bat uh, consistently and getting getting himself into some minor league rehab type of games. Could be a couple of weeks away yet for that. No timetable yet has been discussed by the Brewers just quite yet at this point in time so Brewers uh, they've had Zach Davies back uh, from his injury so he's back Chase Anderson's back off the DL Brewers overall getting more healthy as a team all right let's uh, jump into this thing and break it down on the MLB draft let's break it down Todd Johnson uh, joining us here on Brewers on Tap is uh, the MLB amateur draft just around the corner and I know that the um, work that you put into this uh, goes way, way, way back, but uh, it really gets to crunch time right now, and you're getting ready to, to, to button everything down and probably go dark for a few days. Yeah, our, um, we'll start our meetings tomorrow. Um, we had a, a set of regional meetings earlier in May where uh, all of our area scouts came through. Um, so then starting tomorrow, we'll, uh, we'll bring in our supervisors and uh, a bunch of other people and uh, gather upstairs in the terrace level and uh, and work through you know, a lot of the decisions we'll, we'll be making on draft day. Last couple of years, top 10 picks, um, 21 this year. How different is it picking in that slot compared to in a top 10 slot where you probably have it narrowed down to a hand handful of guys that you figure are going to be available when you're picking? Now at 21, it could be a, a little bit bigger number of guys that could still be on the board. How different is that in the preparation? I think it's it's just more because you like you said you can't narrow it down quite as much. So yeah. there's just a bigger group of players that we're spending more time on and and getting deeper on and and digging into, you know where where we think they they line up together. So, uh, so yeah, it's just a little bit you know more extensive of a process for that. Um, it's the same work on each guy really. Um, you know we're still doing all the same types of stuff, but it's just on a bunch more guys. Is, is it different from a travel standpoint, too, through the evaluation period where um, yourself, David, Matt Arnold, um, making more visits because there's more guys that could fall under that number? Or is it, is it pretty similar because the reality is you have three picks in the top 73, and, and, and that's pretty common, and so it's not maybe as different as everybody thinks just because the first-round pick's different? Yeah, I mean, there were some guys that we would have said, you know, I mean, a few of them that we kind of didn't scout as extensively, I would right. say, as we might have if we were picking, you know, more in the top ten. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those guys we hi- highlighted pretty early as as likely top top of the draft picks, yeah. and you know, but that doesn't mean we didn't scout them either. I mean, right. we still we still saw them, you know, quite a bit, and um, you know, did a lot of work on them. Our area scouts in those areas still do a ton of work on all those players, um, and you know, we'll still kind of go through the process of understanding any issues that could be there um, because you never know. I mean, everyone right. talks about, well, this guy's going to be here. This, you know, this guy's going to be ha- there, but um, you know, I mean, an injury or something else happening here, you know, as we, as we get towards the draft uh, is, you know, is a real thing that could happen and, and you never know. And then you're staring at a guy that you kind of maybe didn't do the work you should have on and, and he's there when you pick and, and then you have to decide if you've got enough information to take him or not. The man overseeing the Brewers' draft efforts, Todd Johnson, joining us here on Brewers on Tap. 
Give me your thoughts on the collective talent in this draft and, and maybe the intricacies of it. Uh, is, it a, is it a college bat-heavy draft? Is it a college arm-heavy draft? Is it a high school arm draft? Uh, there's a lot of guys that you throw into the pot, but what, what I've heard a lot of people talk about the depth of this draft. What, what has been your impression? I would say that that's true. I mean, I think it is a, a deep draft. Uh, I think, you know, we're pretty excited about the three players we'll get on day one and, and all the way through the draft we're excited. I mean, we do our work all for all 40 picks um, and, you know, try and identify the guys that that could be impact guys later in the draft. Um, and we've certainly done a good job of that here with the Brewers um, over the years. Uh, so, I mean, from a, from a talent perspective, I, mean, I would say – the the college arms and um, and high school position players probably are stronger than average. Um, the college bats I think are probably about average, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that was all the uh, yeah. demographics. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I mean it's a, it's going to be a good draft. I think yeah. we're we're excited about who we're going to be able to acquire. How the, the the push and the pull, if you will, in fitting the puzzle together from an organizational standpoint. You also have the international signing date um, and, and that signing period as well. And this is a question that comes up every year, and you probably answer it every year. But the draft's different. It's different than the other sports leagues where you're drafting for immediate need and, and trying to, to fill holes on your roster. It's a totally different type of situation. For the most part, you're probably taking the best available player that you think fits the organization the best from that standpoint. So how, how does all of that fit together from the standpoint of we want to take the best available guys, but do you have a little bit of an overview of here is where we feel like we need to make the biggest strides in terms of how we fill up our farm system uh, from a position player standpoint or from an arm standpoint, whatever it might be? Uh, we, we don't, I mean, we do take the guys that we feel are the best players at those spots, uh, you know, and, and without really worrying about, you know, whether we're deep in a particular area or not. So, you know, we, we try and leave that aside and, you know, acquire the best talent possible because as you know, I mean, lots of stuff happens between, between now and, and when our draft picks are going to be, you know, hopefully playing in the big leagues. So the trying to draft and fill a need or oh don't take you know an outfielder because we have a lot of depth in the outfield and then you know things happen and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you know you're short on outfielder somehow so uh you know so that's not something that that enters into our equation we're just trying to identify who are the best players available and and you know get as many of those right as we can todd with the the signing deadline now being moved up into july the last couple of years it seems like that has simplified things on both ends to some degree is it easier to figure out signability and things of that nature with guys today than it was maybe five or six years ago uh absolutely uh the new the new system with the the pools and and the kind of assigned um, pick values and all that and uh has really made it easier and the and the signing deadline moving up is is great uh because it does give us the opportunity to get our, our guys out playing sooner um in that first summer of of competition and just getting acclimated to um, to professional baseball is huge for them, and, and it really gives them a leg up. So, you know, we like to get them assigned as soon as we possibly can. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I think if they move the deadline up even more, we would still get them all signed. It wouldn't yeah. be that big a deal to 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 make that work. And 
Um, you know, and I think that the advisors and the players probably feel the same way. Uh, but, you know, as, as people do, and wherever you put the deadline, we're probably going to go right up to it with some guys just because that's the way it works out. Well, Todd, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, it's always an exciting time around any baseball organization when the draft is, is just around the corner, and we can't wait to see what you come up with. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. All right, this week in Sabermetrics 101, we're going to look at a couple of different things. Um, number one, we're going to look at war, which is, of course, if you're not familiar with it, it's wins above replacement. It's, it's a way to determine the overall value of a player in all aspects of the game, defensively, offensively. If you're on the mound, it takes that into consideration, of course, all of those things. It's supposed to, and, and I say supposed to because I don't think any stat is perfect. I'm not sure there's one statistic that perfectly conveys exactly the worth of a player to his team. But this is supposed to convey the worth of the player to the team. Uh, the worth that he's win, he's what he's worth in wins, essentially, um, compared to the average player in Major League Baseball. So what, what is the added value you have by having this player on your team? That's what wins above replacement, essentially, is supposed to mean. So if you look at this number, if you look at this statistic right now, the Brewers have a couple of guys that are uh, worth a lot in terms of wins above replacement. Lorenzo Cain right now in the National League is eighth in wins above replacement. And if you just go to position players, only Nolan Arnato, Chris Bryant, A.J. Pollock, Freddie Freeman, and Brandon Belt are above him. Uh, a couple of pitchers above him as well, Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. So Lorenzo Cain is eighth right now in wins above replacement at 2.1 with his war. Now, go down the list a little bit further, and the Brewers have Travis Shaw on there as well. He is 18th, 1.9. And then you go down a little bit further, Brewers have one more player on that top 30 list. At number 22, that's Josh Hader. As a reliever, as a reliever, Josh Hader, 1.8 wins above replacement. Josh Hader, suffice it to say, is the only relief pitcher in the top 30 in the National League in terms of war. So pretty impressive stuff. And I want to break down Hader's numbers just a little bit more for you, so we'll pivot a little bit here in Sabermetrics 101. Hader having a big year, as we all know. His strikeout per nine rate, 17.8. So if you take his strikeout rate right now and apply it over nine innings, he would be averaging almost 18 strikeouts per game. Look, that's not entirely accurate because he's a relief pitcher. He's pitching two and a third one and two-thirds, he's able to go out and let it eat and go after guys and attack them. So it's not like that number would stay true if he was a starting pitcher, but it wouldn't fall down as much as you probably think. Josh Hader is a fantastic weapon for this Brewers team, but here's the other big difference for him. You look at last year to this year. Last year, he was a great weapon for the Brewers. We all know that, right? Last year, he was averaging 12.8 strikeouts per nine, but here's the other part, 4.15 walks per nine. That number is down to 2.87 this year. That's impressive. That is really impressive that he's been able to bring that down while increasing the strikeout rate. He's getting less ground balls than he did last year, mainly because people are putting the ball in play less against him. 
he's just not getting the ball put in play against him right now. It, it, it's really uh, it's a spectacular thing so far what Josh Hader is doing. Hader, of course, has struck out 62 batters already in 31 and a third innings. He made 35 appearances last year. He struck out 68. He was outstanding last year. Had a 2.08 ERA, 47 and two-thirds innings. He's made 18 appearances this year, a 1.15 ERA, 62 strikeouts already. He's almost at last year's total. Josh Hader has a chance to set some historical major league records for a reliever before the season's all said and done. We'll wait till we get a little bit further into the season to break that down on Sabermetrics 101, but Josh Hader is absolutely one of the most valuable players in Major League Baseball right now. Checking in on the farm. As we go down to the farm, let's take a look at AAA Colorado Springs. The Sky Sox sitting at 27-23 and 23 overall. They're four games back in the American Northern Division of the Pacific Coast League. Orlando Arce has been down there the last couple of games, but of course uh, on his way back to Milwaukee now to be a part of this Brewers Club again after just a couple of games down at the AAA level. For Colorado Springs leading the way at the plate. You have Nate Orff. He's hitting 309 on the season still. He slowed down a little bit here over the second half of the month of May. G Man Choi goes two for three on Tuesday night against Memphis. His average up to 299. Christian Bethencourt continuing to swing a good stick for the Sky Sox. He went one for three. He drove in a run, now hitting 324 on the year. He has 19 driven in on the season as well. Uh, for Christian Bethencourt. On the mound, there's been a combination of arms that have helped out the Sky Sox. Alec Asher went five at a third and gave up three earned runs on Tuesday night. Of course, Corbin Burns has pitched well away from Colorado Springs, and Freddie Peralta, as we all know, has been very, very solid so far this year. Double-A Biloxi, the Shockers are 30-21 and 21 in the season. They are pitching it at a very, very good clip. Thomas Jenkins has been good overall this season. Got roughed up a little bit in his Tuesday start. But the big name for the Shuckers right now that probably demands the most attention is Jake Gatewood. He was the Southern League Player of the Week for 521 through 527. So um, the end of May here. Six games over the course of that week. Gatewood with three home runs, nine driven in, three walks. He has just been on an absolute tear in the month of May. He's hitting 296, nine doubles and five home runs. He's driven in 19 in this month. He got off to a really slow start in April, but he has turned it on and is starting to really demand some attention in AA. Of course, Corey Ray's been good this month also. He's been the other big name for the Shuckers that deserves a lot of attention for what he's doing. He goes one for four on Tuesday night. The average sitting at 256. Um, he has collected a bunch of doubles. He's uh, had a lot of power over the course of this month. It's been a really good sign for Corey Ray starting to, to really turn the corner and come around. And then in Class A Advanced, the Carolina Mudcats sitting at 26 and 25. They've gotten hot this month, and they've gone from under 500 to now climbing back over the 500 mark. Kasten here is the name there at the plate. Um, he's reached base in 12 straight games, hitting 392 over that stretch. He's 20 for 51 over that stretch. He has a home run. It was a walk-off home run. He's driven in eight. He's batting 345 in the month of May, over 27 games. He got off to a 238 start in April, totally has turned that corner, 
and uh, Keston Hira is doing everything the Brewers hoped that he would do when they drafted him. The other name in Carolina is Cam Regner. He has been the most dominant pitcher in the Carolina League so far this year. The lefty has not allowed a run in his last 28 and two-thirds innings. He is on the mound again Wednesday uh, on the road at Lynchburg. Has a .680 ERA, a 6-1 and record. He's walked just 14. He struck out 37. The .68 ERA leads all of minor league baseball. He has been outstanding. Good chance he's going to get the ball as the starting pitcher in the Carolina League All-Star game coming up next month. It should be fun to see what comes of him so far here this year. 23-29 and 29 for the Class A Wisconsin Timber Rattlers in the Midwest League. Alec Bettinger made a quality start on Tuesday for the T-Rats. Uh, just two runs on seven hits, five strikeouts, and six innings of work. He's now 4-3 and three with a 3.76 ERA. Joe Angel Segovia leads the Brewers system. He's also third in the Midwest League. He has a 344 average for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Those are a couple of names to keep a close eye on with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. And of course, we're getting very, very close to the Helena Brewers, getting their Pioneer League season started. That's coming up on June 15th, June 18th. The Arizona League Brewers will get started, and then the Dominican Summer League will get started coming up here uh, this weekend, June 2nd, for the Dominican Summer League Brewers. So should be fun. Hopefully uh, you're locked into all of that and paying attention because the Brewers have some really exciting things going on down on the farm. Here's what's on tap. Well, here's what's on tap for the Crew Brewers. Come back home June 11th after this next road trip. It's a three-game series with the Chicago Cubs. Should be fun. Cubbies coming to town. Everybody always gets fired up for that. June 12th, this is kind of fun. The Wives Softball Challenge over at Hellfire Field before the game. That's a, a noon start. Brewers Wives, Cubs Wives going to be playing softball at Hellfire Field before that June 12th. Second game of that three-game series. Uh, first two games of that series, 7-10, 7-10. Then Wednesday, a 1-10 start between the Brewers and Cubs. There's a senior stroll following that game. And then an off day Thursday, the 14th, then the 15th. The Phillies coming to town. That's a five-county Friday, 7-10 start. Also, Miller Lite beer pin on that night. Those who sit in the Miller Lite beer pin receive a free Brewers T-shirt courtesy of Miller Lite. And then, of course, on Saturday, that is a 3-10 start against the Phillies. And on Sunday, it's a 1-10 start against the Phillies. And on Sunday, the 17th, that's that mini replica bullpen car. It's really cool. I've had a chance to take a look at that. First 20,000 fans are going to get their hands on that. That's also a kid's ice cream Sunday. So hopefully we'll see you at the ballpark during this next homestand. All right, that's going to do it for us. Episode number 119 of Brewers on Tap is in the books. We'll talk to you next week from Cleveland as the Brewers will be in the midst of another road trip. I'm Lane Grinnell. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.